Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a great week. This week's podcast is so fun. I have Blake Adam on the podcast. He's from the podcast Blonde Hair, Black Heart, and we just have so much fun. We chat all things Vanderpump, Real Housewives of New Jersey. We get a little bit into Miami, and I end up sharing... (laughs) the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to me later on in the podcast. So I can't believe I I shared what I did. But we didn't get a chance to discuss Summer House or that much of Miami. So I just wanted to share a few thoughts before we get into it. So this week's Summer House starts off with Amanda crying because Danielle said that she was the least trustworthy. And Kyle is on a rampage. He is screaming. He's yelling at Lindsay. He's yelling at Carl. It's awful. And then Danielle, of all people, gets upset with Carl for not yelling back. And... (laughs) And this is where I realize that Carl and Lindsay are more emotionally intelligent and in touch with themselves than everyone else on the cast. When like it doesn't make sense when someone is drunk and screaming to respond to them in that moment. It just it doesn't. Like nothing good will happen. The only good thing is us watching a lot of drama go down, right? So I think everyone else on the cast is so used to creating such a scene that they actually think it's normal to react to someone who's having a drunken rampage. And the truth is, if I was in that situation, I would do exactly what Carl did. I would freaking leave. I would remove myself. And then the next day, I would permanently remove myself and I would not address the person who was on the rampage until they addressed me. I just, I wouldn't. And I think how they handled it was fine. I really appreciate Lindsay saying, you know what? Like, would I have appreciated him to stick up for me? Sure. But he's still trying to figure out how to handle his emotions while sober. And the fact that They're having these conversations, Carl and Lindsay, about his sobriety and having so much open communication. It does feel just so healthy. And I don't know, you know, and I I can see where Danielle's coming from in terms of feeling left out because at the following weekend when they're out at Southampton Social, Lindsay and Carl are kind of in their lovey-dovey bubble and they're not really hanging out with others. I don't think they've kind of gone out of their way to make Danielle feel like she's still friends with them. And so I I see where this is kind of going south. But I think Danielle makes a huge error by sharing critiques of Carl and Lindsay's relationship with people who are not friends with Carl and Lindsay. And so saying, oh, I think they're moving too fast and it would be disastrous or a terrible idea to get engaged. That would be crazy. 
I really think that at this moment, Danielle is projecting the insecurities she has about her relationship with Robert. She knows that, you know, she doesn't get to see him a lot. They probably have a lot of issues because of that. And so she's sort of projecting onto Carl and Lindsay. And whereas everyone else, I think, seems to think that Carl and Lindsay are living in like a fairy tale. I feel like they're having some real honest, difficult conversations as part of their relationship. And I don't really see a problem with it. So I did not expect to take Lindsay's side in the Lindsay versus Danielle of it all. But I really feel like Danielle is starting to really, really make some... She's doing some things that are just really not nice. And I... I don't know. It makes me really, really sad seeing her gossiping about Carl and Lindsay's relationship with people who aren't their friends. The last thing I'll say is that I absolutely love Gabby. I find her so entertaining. I really enjoy her story. I wish we could dig in a bit more to her work situation and how she thought she wanted this job and it ended up being terrible for her. And now she's actually not trusting her own intuition. And I think this is an incredibly relatable thing to go through when you feel so sure of yourself in your decision making and you make the wrong decision. It makes you question whether or not you can make decisions moving forward and whether or not you can trust yourself. And I really related to to that with Gabby. I really didn't like how Maya and Sierra were sort of judging Gabby uh, kind of as a black woman and how maybe she's surface level. It, it just, all of it seemed really judgy to me. And Again, I'm not a black woman, but it just feels like there's no one way to be a black woman, just like there's no one way to be a woman or to be a Jewish woman or to be a trans woman. Like there is no one way to do anything. And women and black women are not a monolith. So the fact that she doesn't fit in with them doesn't mean there's anything wrong with her. And just because they haven't kind of cracked her and found a way to connect, doesn't mean that that's on Gabby. So I don't know. I was very unhappy to kind of see that in this week's episode. As far as Miami goes, I finally did get around to watching the second part of the reunion. I really appreciated hearing from Julia how things are going with Martina, how watching back when she was complaining about having dinner for two, just the two of them. Now she'll give anything just to have dinner with just the two of them. Um, It's really, it's sad and it's heartbreaking, but it's also real life. And I appreciate them talking about the things that aren't as fun. And I know that it's people's sort of natural reaction. I saw Kiki doing this when got to the moment that Julia was talking about Martina's cancer diagnosis, Kiki kind of and others brushed off like she'll be fine. And I just think that's just us as a society being so uncomfortable with the idea of things not being fine. But I always try never to say that to people because you don't know, right? You don't know if it'll be fine. And I feel like it's almost acting as if like they can't explore in their own head all of the potential outcomes, right? And so um, 
anyways. And then, of course, Larsa annoys the shit out of me. (laughs) Just when she said that at least she had a real job and all Dr. Nicole does is put people to sleep, it just showed me how unintelligent she is and how little she knows about medicine, about anesthesiology. And it's like, it's okay if she doesn't like Dr. Nicole, but to put down an entire profession of people the way she did when she put down the entire profession of teachers, when she was saying, well, you were just married to a teacher, you divorced a teacher. I don't think she realizes what she's doing, but it's it's really nasty. And you can kind of tell what her value system is when she makes these sort of offhanded comments. Anyways, I, of course, love The Real Housewives of Miami. I am here to see Dr. Nicole come out on top. I am tired of sort of the Alexia, Marisol, Larsa kind of trying to control everything and deciding kind of what's right and what's okay and what's not okay. And I'm here for Dr. Nicole and Gertie and Julia, and I love them. Anyways, Thick Sweet's podcast was just so fun to record. I had the best time ever with Blake. You guys all should check out his podcast, Blonde Hair, Black Heart. As always, if you like this podcast, go ahead, give it a five-star rating, and leave a kind review. And if you want to get in touch, you can always find me at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram. We'll take a quick break and then back with Blake. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everyone. I am here with Blake Adam, host of the podcast Blonde Hair, Black Heart, and also known as the man who may have started the rumor that Tom Schwartz and Raquel made out at Coachella. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Oops. (laughs) My claim to fame. Wow. (laughs) No, I keep asking, like, where's my producer cred, you know? (laughs) Right? Don't you think they would have shown the tweet? I was really hoping they would. Um, yeah, uh, I was a little bummed because every every once in a while they will throw up like a fan tweet on there because the thing that I love about like Bravo shows in particular is the fans really do influence so much of the storylines. And I love that for us, you know? It's so I so really fun. was hoping, I, I really was hoping for like a nice uh, photo or like screen grab of my tweet and... Tom Schwartz's subsequent response to my tweet, which then, you know, created this firestorm of articles and rumors and headlines and all of that, which then led to Sheena being like, oh, great. Now I have a storyline. So, you know, I want my <laughs> producer credit is all I'm okay. saying. How did you even get to this rumor? Like, who told you? Are you allowed to say? Yeah, I get tips from people all the time. Seriously? Um, and I actually Yeah, oh yeah, I get <laughs> I tips from people all the time. Like I'm like a bona fide like investigative reporter. Like like I've always had such a thing for, you know, like Barbara Walters and Katie Couric and like I don't know, Gail Weathers from the Scream series. So I feel like this is kind of me leaning into my calling a little bit. But yeah, I get I get tips. Some are anonymous, some are 
like straight up from people. Um, and some of them like tell me things specifically because they want me to post them. Um, I actually get tips from, from Bravo Lebs sometimes (laughs) that, that happens, you know, this was not a tip from a Bravo Leb. It was just a tip from someone who claimed to have seen Schwartz and Raquel making out at Coachella. Obviously now with like the scandal of it all, people are being like, oh, well, well, whoever, you know, reported on this must have gotten it wrong. And it was actually Tom Sandoval. Um, I can say like, for the record, the tip specifically said Schwartz. So if someone got it wrong, it wasn't me. I, I can like discern the two of them. I know the difference. Um, I, I mean, they both suck, but <laughs> people have come right. out who are even friends with Raquel who were like, no, this wasn't going yeah. on in April. Right. I I agree. I kind of always felt that once Tom cleared it up, like I posted it. And again, I post a lot of things, you know, that that are um, prefaced with allegedly, you know, Um, and I'm not about pushing lies or anything, anything like that. So once Tom said, like, no, this isn't true, that was kind of it. Um, And I honestly think that they they took it and used it like i said i think sheena used it as a storyline because she thought it would be like cute and fun i think sandoval and raquel used it as like a, a buffer or a decoy i think like i benefited so many people with this rumor um <laughs> katie not included but i like honestly i'm sorry to everyone for this mayhem that i unleashed um but also you're welcome <laughs> i mean even if that hadn't happened, we still would have been like, everything would have been unleashed. Like, I don't think yeah. there was any stopping the Raquel Sandoval affair. It was clear no. watching this week's episode that Raquel is lost. She's unsure mm-hmm. of herself. She actually, it was scary to me as if she doesn't know who she is enough on her own that she has to attach to somebody else in order to be something. Yeah. And what's interesting and what isn't discussed on the show, because I think it would be like too fourth wall breaking. I I mean, I don't think that, but I think that's like why they're not showing it on the show. But prior to this season starting and maybe the reason why she feels so lost and why she's like sticking her tongue in every everyone's mouth at sir um or like vanderpump perry uh <laughs> it's because just prior to filming this season she was dating um oh my god what's nima and she was like in love with him. And I've heard from sources that that breakup was really, really hard on her and kind of sent her into a little spiral, which that's what we're seeing. But we don't have that context. But it it kind of helps allude to or like support her whole, um, you know, quote unquote, apology and excuse of uh, like being addicted to love. Like I, I do think that that's true i mean i don't think that that's like a a valid excuse but i think it's true for sure yeah it's not an excuse it's an explanation right right and And i i think we see it i think yeah it's so scary i think that's why she stayed with james kennedy for as long as she did i think that's why she's making all of the decisions now that she is um yeah, I mean, what what I think is so interesting, though, is we saw that, you know, breakdown in the middle of, uh, was it just last night? I don't know. God, time in the Bravoverse is, like, wild. <laughs> um, 
last night's episode where she breaks down in the car and she says, you know, very, very humbly and earnestly, like, I don't know who I am and I'm so lost. And like, she almost says without saying that she like knows she's making shitty decisions. And what's funny is then the, the like very next day, as soon as Charlie shows up and, and like gives her an ounce of like encouragement, she's right back into making those shitty decisions again. And so again, it's like a symbol of like, she needs love and affection and like attention and all of that really like fuels her, you know? Yeah. It was interesting watching her with kind of Lala and Katie and Christina Kelly. And it's just Mm -hmm. like when someone tells you, listen, if you're drinking, like, I don't want you around my partner. That mm-hmm. is something that you should, like, it's a mean thing to say, right? But right. also, like, maybe that you should kind of take stock of that. Like, wow, I yeah. wonder if I'm someone who behaves that way. And yeah. I thought the messenger was the problem, not the message, Right, because yeah, I mean, Lala, yeah, I've seen so much. She, everyone is like, "Fuck Lala." She is the last person to be saying this shit. And I don't believe Avlala. It's just as a sober person, I truly think she believes everything she did while she was drinking doesn't count because it was almost as if she was a different person back there, and also isn't part of the like. 12 steps to make amends and I feel like she didn't try to make amends with Raquel and only now is Raquel finding out about the infidelity that happened and she's just like excusing it like they didn't view their relationship as really starting until they moved in together and that's all BS. Like if right. if Raquel didn't know about it, it's because you guys didn't think it was appropriate to tell her. Which right, exactly. And like I, you I, shouldn't have done it. Totally. And I hate when people do that when they're you like find out about something like so long after the fact and then the person who did it is like, well, you know, so much time has gone on like statute of limitations, but you just found out, you know, so to you, it's brand new. So I will give Raquel credit in like, she is now experiencing this and having to go through it presently. And neither Lala nor James are really giving her the time of day. And like, I I do think that James is being a huge dick to Raquel this season. Um, but I think that's because he's still in love with her. Um, but I uh, going back to like the, the Lala and Raquel back in the hotel room situation. I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't necessarily think it was the wrong messenger, but I think it was just the way that it was delivered. Like what I wish that Lala had done and said, and what I like hope and think maybe she like was thinking, but didn't verbalize is look, I, I've been where you've been. I yes. know what this is like because I was that messy, drunk bitch who ruined people's relationships and said nasty things to get a rise out of people. And I had to face that and I had to be held accountable and hold myself accountable. And I, I don't want that for you. And you shouldn't want that for yourself. And and sh- like if she had said it in that way, Do I think Raquel would have received it any better? I don't know. But would the fans have received it better? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's really annoying to watch Lala lecture people as if Mm -hmm. every time she lectures people, she's coming at it from a point of I'm up here and you're down there and I know more and I've lived more. I mean, just the fact that she wrote a memoir 
right? Before any shit actually happened in her life, aside from the right. death of her father, like, uh, right. are you kidding me? All the stuff we would really want to know actually is happening in the period right now. You don't yeah. wait. You don't write a memoir until shit has happened. And she's just... For sure. Her issue is her ego. And I think she knows it. She knows she's got yeah. a big ego. Oh, for sure. And she feeds into it. But, you, I mean, you definitely nailed it. Like, even when, she, you know, she was talking to Raquel and, and like, Raquel kind of fired back with, like, well, wh- what about you sleeping with James? Like, I should be nervous about you around my man. And, you know... Again, that's an opportunity for Lala to be like, look, I know that was so shitty. Like, you don't you don't want to be like that, do you? But instead, she was like, bitch, forget about it. Forget about it. And it's like, no, she just found out about it. Like, let's let's talk about that. And I also like I I think it's easy for people to jump on calling someone like a hypocrite in these types of situations. Like, I see a lot of people being like, Lala is such a hypocrite. Like, she she can't talk. Like, she was in that position. But I'm one of those people that believes, like, people who have lived this experience before are maybe the best people to talk about it, but in the right way. She's just not doing it in the right way. Totally. I also will go as far as giving her that she didn't know that she was a mistress. Right. That is something that she's like, don't say I'm the mistress. I didn't know. And I feel the same way about Sheena with Eddie Cibrian. Mm -hmm. Like she was like 21 when that happened. She said she met his mother. So why on earth would she think that he was still married? So I've always put the onus on the married person or the person in the partnership to be faithful and I'm never going to go after, especially like a young woman who is right. what I think is manipulated. So, well, and especially when they have no sort of relation or connection to the family, to the the spouse or anything like that. Like, I I agree. I think you know to a certain extent these girls were duped. Like, were they reaping the benefits of it all? Like, I've had I've had an issue with how Lala's kind of talked about the Randall of it all this season and how she's acted so surprised about like the casting couch situation when she was one of those casting couch girls. But that aside, I don't think she knew the extent of it. And I don't, I think she believed that he wasn't married anymore. Like whether or not she thought that she was like a sugar baby or whatever, I don't think she thought she was a mistress. Like you said, what's crazy to me is that Raquel in this moment, hearing like this whole conversation, whether she was a mistress at this time or not, or whether they're talking about Schwartz or any of it, like what she chose to do after this conversation was go become a mistress. Like that's what's crazy about it is she's sitting there kind of like trying to defend herself and put it back on Lala. But like at the end of the day, what I think we're all hearing is that this, this uh, affair, this torrid love affair began after this trip. So she went home from this trip and was like, you know what? You want to see a mistress? I'll show you a mistress. And like, that's twisted, you know? It's so twisted. And I just think she she's like the perfect example of someone who's always been seeking others' approval and who has zero coping mechanisms. Right. And, and Lala was the same way. I mean, she would, what, take a Xanax and drink from a baby bottle? And that, drink yeah. and abuse drugs. Like, I mean, these, and granted, it's not easy to develop 
coping mechanisms, right? That's what Mm -hmm. like your 20s and your 30s are for to figure out how you deal with adversity when you don't have someone to rely on. You don't always have a partner. You don't always have a parent. You kind of have to figure out how to calm yourself on your own and how to feel like you're good enough on your own. And it's just, it's sad watching Raquel. I I do not agree with what she did, but it is like a sad story. And I wish that she had sought help at this point. We don't know that she hadn't, but that she had really been like, hey, this is sort of where I'm at. And she's been being in such a vulnerable place and being on TV. It's not good. Yeah, someone someone needs to get that girl a baby bottle ASAP. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely think though, like for me, because I I I've seen so many people who who are showing sympathy for Raquel after this episode, which like is really interesting, you know, given what we all know now. Um, but I've especially seen a lot of people saying, like, if the scandal didn't happen or it wasn't revealed, like everyone this week would still kind of be on Team Raquel and everyone would be really sympathetic to Raquel. I personally, like, even before the scandal came out, like, I was not Team Raquel. I was not Team Schwartz. I was not Team Sheena. I mean, you know, when we talked on my podcast a few weeks ago, I very much felt like they were purposely trying to fan the flames and, like, I I just felt, uh, you know, everyone kept saying like, well, they don't owe Katie anything. Raquel certainly doesn't. Schwartz doesn't. But I actually heard Katie on Lala's podcast this week, and she kind of summed up what, what I've been trying to sum up on my podcast for so long, which is that like, they decided that they wanted to be friends. And like, no, neither of them owe each other anything, but they've been through this long enough where they have seen how messy this gets and it's not fun for anyone involved. So they made an agreement not to do that. And so for him then to just go back on that, you know, because it's fun or funny, it felt like another slap in the face, which I totally get. Which it was. And I've also, totally. And I've also said like, if Schwartz and Raquel like actually liked each other, like if there was some spark, then sure, see what happens. But the fact that they both kept saying like, no, we're not into it. It's whatever. We could just make out for fun. Like you're willing to do this to to Katie just for like fun. Like that is what felt weird to me, you know? So I don't even know where I was going with, with all of this, but just the, the like, it, it just seems like it's, it's rooted in, getting a rise out of people, getting attention from people. And like, I I don't know, it just feels so icky. I feel like a lot of people around Raquel are telling her you've been too selfless, you've given too much in your relationships in the past, and you need to be more selfish and you need to put yourself first. And she, I, I don't know if it's that she's just not bright or that, like what, but she, it seems like it's either I am all one way or all another way. And she can't seem to find a healthy middle. Yeah. You know, and so then to be like entirely selfish and being like, well, I feel like doing it. But the thing is, is that she has things built into her that you see watching this season, such as asking Lala, is it really okay if I go after Oliver? Like she knows some part of her that she should ask. And then when it comes right. to Schwartz, she does have it in her to be like, listen, Katie, I just want to be honest with you. Like, this is what I did, you know? But nowhere does she actually say, I'm sorry. 
Well, and nowhere does she like stop doing it. Actually, that, right. So that's what I was getting at is I feel like a lot of people were like, we'd I'd be on Raquel's side. Like if we didn't know that she was like a straight up like hooker at this point, like I would be she's on not a her hooker. side. She's not, she's, I know, you know, I know, I know. And ain't I mean, no nothing wrong point, with being a hooker. At, at, at this point, <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her. Um, but but like I, a lot of people were like, yeah, if the scandal didn't happen, we like this episode would make us feel really bad for her. And I felt that way up until like the end when I just felt like, again, as soon as Charlie showed up and she had one person being like, no, you just do you. She was like, oh, OK, I guess like I can go back to that. And so then like, you know, her whole attitude when she was going to leave and she was like, yeah, I'm going to meet up with Schwartz. Like it just felt, again, purposely like trying to rub Katie's nose in something. And so then to me, I'm like, okay, what happened to yesterday when you were crying and apologizing? Like, it just feels like that was fake. And now you're back to the real you, you know, I feel like the nice girl, like cotton candy part of her is the phony act. And I feel like the vixen is kind of like who, she, who she really truly is, or at least who she wants to be. Yeah, part of me, and I know this is like going to some weird psychology stuff, and I don't even know if I ascribe to believing in this part of psychology, but I really want to know more about her relationship with her dad. Yeah. Like, has she her whole life been seeking male attention and not gotten it? And so then the only way that she knew how was to dress up in swimsuits and parade herself on stage. I don't know who came up with the idea for her to do pageants because usually kids don't say, oh, this is what I want to do. You know, it's like someone in their life starts them young and then they feel like they need just to just keep going. But what is it that she's constantly seeking this male attention and male gaze where it's like she's not good enough just on her own. Right, right, exactly. And what a missed opportunity, too, for her to, like, come back in her single season, especially with, like, Lala being single and Katie being single. Like, it could have been such a, like, bad bitch single girl revolution. And I don't know. I just feel like she just really leaned into, like, wanting to be liked by the guys i don't know yes. she's i mean she yes. she no, sheena exactly took her under her wing so and what more did we expect i don't know it's it's she's she's sheena's little monster <laughs> <laughs> i don't think she's sheena's little monster well but. sheena sheena as sheena is someone in like i really go back and forth with her and there have been times when i've really liked sheena and those are the seasons when she's getting along with the girls but she just is not a girl's girl. Like, bottom line, she's not. And Sheena said that herself. She said it on the show. There have been so many seasons where she's like, I'd rather hang out with the guys. I'd rather hang out with the guys. She said it on last night's episode, you know? So I I just, like, again, I think we we are missing opportunities for, the, like, the girls to really rally around each other. Like, this season could have been, like, remember when all the girls rallied around Britney and, like, wouldn't even let Jackson his own apartment and stuff like that? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hope we get to see that. I hope we get to see that with Ariana. I, I think we are definitely going to see that with Ariana. With Sheena, I actually think Sheena is someone that isn't great at, like, the nuanced kind of conversations that Katie has or picking up on cues that are nonverbal or Mm -hmm. like she seems to kind of need people to speak directly to her. Yeah. Um, And the guys 
for the most part, are just kind of like you see what you see is what you get. And with yeah. the girls, there's always this like piece of something that's not said or that is like a look that Christina Kelly gives and you know it's judgment. You know, not saying there's anything wrong with Christina Kelly. I actually like her a lot. Um, right. And for whatever reason, it makes Sheena feel insecure. I don't know if she was particularly popular growing up. And so, you know, she, it, she views it as being judged. And so she'd rather be in a group of people where she feels safe and comfortable. And what they say to her is what they're actually saying. Yeah. Well, and I think the other girls, too, are all... Well, though that side, not like Raquel and Sheena, but I think the other side, like I think Katie's really intelligent. I think Ariana's really intelligent. Christina Kelly's really intelligent. I mean, Stassi was incredibly intelligent. And even Kristen Doty, she's she's batshit crazy, but I think she's smart, you know? Um, I mean, you got to be smart to track down Miami girl, let's be real. (laughs) But I think that that's a part of it too. You know, Sheena has always relied on her looks to get attention because she's not relying on her brains or her ability to be well-spoken spoken and those other girls like you said they have actual like nuanced conversations i mean with that said it's really funny how they all loved britney because like britney is i mean there's not a lot but strong up there um but i mean that's kind of how i feel about sheena like i i do think that at her core she's a really good person and that's something that all of the cast members repeatedly say about sheena over and over again like she's she's got a great heart even when she does shitty things she's a good person um and that's not like a general consensus about most of the cast members right. on that show so that's right. like no that's that's a good thing you know I think she's a good person too i yeah. just think she and it's not even like smart or not smart i think she handles direct communication much better than the others and so like it's a communication style and the way those women communicate with each other, there's nothing wrong with it. There's just a lot that's left unsaid that they all know was unsaid. That is like a memo that Sheena just continuously does not get. Yeah. She like doesn't get. And it, I don't think that means she's not a girl. I don't like the term girl's girl because it, it is like if girls hang out with men, that there's something wrong with that. And I'm not right. talking about like the pick me girls that are whatever, but you know, some girls, sometimes people just, you gravitate to who you gravitate to. Totally, totally. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a girl's guy, like, fully. Like, I get so uncomfortable if I'm in a room and there's, like, not a drop of feminine energy in it. Like, I'm so uncomfortable. So, like, I totally get leaning on the opposite sex. And again, it's something Sheena herself has, like, leaned into that. Um, because I think she does prefer the attention of men or the uh, accompaniment of men more than being around other women for whatever reason. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think to your point about Sheena, like missing these cues, she, she certainly does. But what's interesting is she like expects everyone else to like pick up hers and like to kind of keep her secrets. And like, I just remember when she was going through her divorce and her, the whole crumbling of her, uh, marriage to Shay, there was a lot that was unspoken. There was a lot that everyone had to keep secret. There was a lot of like protecting Sheena and protecting Shay and all of that. And, and so I just think it's like, to your point, it's really interesting that, that as someone who's been divorced and been divorced on TV, she like can't pick up on the nuances of like what is happening between Schwartz and Katie. Like, obviously I think she's being a mean to Katie 
And, and I think, you know, she can say like, I'm team Schwartz. That's fine. Like she is better friends with Schwartz. My thing is like, I don't think she necessarily needs to be setting anyone up. I think she can kind of just let everyone like do their own thing. She doesn't have to play matchmaker. She does. But I even she th- loves it. It's so weird. I know she does. <laughs> I so it, like no one assigned her that job. Like, nope. just, just be like, I'm going to stay out of all y'all's love lives. She's you know? the West Hollywood Yenta and no right. one can stop oh her. Oh my God. <laughs> like instead of hello, Dolly, it's hello, Sheena. Um, it's so nice to have you back where you belong, but it, it, I don't even think she's really being nice to Schwartz. Like, she, like Schwartz keeps giving her these verbal cues, like, "Oh, I don't want to hear that." Every time she says, "Like, oh yeah, well, Katie's fucked that guy. Katie's on a date with that guy. Katie's at a divorce party," and he's like, "Oh my god, really?" Like, he looks Again, so sad. I don't think she picks up on cues totally. as much as other people. And I'm not saying exactly. that like, is a diagnosis or anything like that. Right. It's just she doesn't react the same way other people do. And so I feel like most of the, that's where like that she doesn't mean to be Mm -hmm. mean comes in. It's like, she's actually a nice person. I just think that like, I don't know, people are just like, she's just, they're missing each other's points. Right. For sure. And then, and then it's like, so who's more in the fault? And there are people that will argue both sides. I'm not one of them. I, I don't know who's more it, like to blame, but who's more to blame the person who accidentally does something that's really mean or the person who then responds by purposely saying really mean things. Cause that's like the Katie and Lala's is they, they like respond very pointedly and like very intentionally. But is that worse than someone who, even though it's, it's not intended, they repeatedly do shitty things. I think Lala is could really take a few steps back. And I do think that as she matures, she will, she continues to be humbled. I I love when she says her, she's all bark and no bite because it is so important for her to tell people that because what she says is really scary. And I've heard her say before, I was raised that words don't matter, actions matter. But words can really hurt people, and she uses them as weapons. And she doesn't seem to care if other people are hurt by them. But when she's hurt by other people's words, like, how dare they, you know? And I just feel like that's a maturity thing. Um, I do find her incredibly entertaining. I actually like most of the people on Vanderpump Rules, which is kind yeah, of me an, too. Most people say, "Oh, they're all terrible people." Well, oh, they mean? are, but terrible. I mean, so like, is I don't. So like is Seinfeld, people. and I loved Seinfeld. You know, <laughs> Seinfeld's a good example. But like, yeah. these are interesting people. Like, I don't like to put people in categories of like good and bad. People are complicated. There is right. no like one person that is all good or all bad yeah and i feel like that's such an elementary way to look at things and And like we're not trying to date any of them mandy like we're just watching them on tv and dating is different even than deciding if someone is good or bad like are they good to date or bad today or are they like a good person or a bad Mm -hmm. like what does it mean to be a bad person i just really enjoy watching these people communicate and make decisions and see what's going on in their brain and why they make certain decisions and that That's what I find fascinating. And we're 10 years later, and we're still trying to figure out why they act the way that they do. And I think the answer now is very different than what it was 10 years ago. Yeah, well, and but you also just like touched on such an interesting point. And like, it it speaks to, I think, why we like all of these types of shows. Like I get so many questions from like, 
people that don't watch this uh like this type of reality tv this brand of reality tv and they're like how can you just sit and watch people mostly middle-aged women like sit at a dinner table and like yell at each other and i was like it's it's communication it's like it's so much more than it's sociology like it is literally it's so much more than just them yelling at each other like it's so nuanced and like uh, again the fact that that the Real Housewives has spawned an entire Bravoverse because let's be real, like Vanderpump Rules is a spinoff of Beverly Hills, and then like Southern Charm uh, or Summer House is a spinoff of Pump Rules, and then Winter House is a spin. Like it's we're in like a fucking cinematic universe at this point, <laughs> and the fact that there's so much commentary, there are so many podcasts like ours. Like I said, the fact that like the fan interaction then goes and influences the actual shows, like. It's so much more than just women screaming at each other. It really is like the ultimate think piece on human nature. And and in this essay, I will explain why. <laughs> <laughs> what I like the most is when you actually find authentic friendships or relationships. And mm-hmm. I feel like this might be a good segue into Jersey because okay. with Jersey... <gasps> Jen Fessler, is that where you're going? Oh, well, I mean, love Jen Fessler. Love. But we're watching people who are very and women who are very complicated. And mm-hmm. I there's not many we all know this stories told about middle age or older women. It's just no one seems to want to tell that story or give them the platform to talk about what's bothering them or what's making right. them tick or whatever. And I well, I don't know. I don't know. We got 80 for Brady this past year. <laughs> You know what? I actually do really want to watch that because I, I freaking love Lily Tomlin. I love I all of saw, them and Sally Field. I know, gr- yeah, great cast. But I saw a really funny uh, like meme that was like, "Finally, a movie for middle aged women that middle aged women won't want to see." <laughs> it was that's eighty so, for Brady. That's so true. But like when I talk when we talk about complicated women and complicated mm-hmm. characters, yeah. very few stick out as much to me as Jennifer Aiden. Because when she is in these group scenes, she can be so annoying and she Mm -hmm. keeps talking over people. And you're just like, if you just shut up for two seconds, you would make a whole lot more sense to everyone and they would side with you, you know? And then we see her in couples counseling with her husband, opening up to her husband's things that she probably never had the guts to tell him one-on-one, also because he was never listening one-on-one. So well, she, was he really listening in that therapy set? I mean, he looked I so glazed I actually think he over. was. I think he was really? so uncomfortable. He's like, yes, this he is was. He's like, get camera. me to the pool house. This is, yeah, get me to the pool house. I don't want to be around anyone. I'm going to zone yeah. out. And mm-hmm. I get it. A lot of people with stressful jobs will come home from their jobs and they want to do something to de-stress before they spend time with their partner and or children. But like what he's doing is excessive and he's not meeting the needs of his partner. But I don't right. think she's ever... It's so interesting, like the way that she entered into that marriage is not where she's at right now. I think she entered with the pact of like, I'll raise the kids, you make the money, right? And like, that's how we do this. And I think it's changing as they're evolving as a couple. And he's probably like, what do you want now? What? Why did it all change? You know? Yeah. 
And we see that so often on The Housewives. And that's like a common trope because that's such a common theme in like real marriages and real lives. And, you know, you always hear uh, like, there's like that old adage, like, are you going to grow together? Or are you going to grow apart? And so like we're seeing that in real time. Um, and, and part of that is just like the natural growth that people, you know, have in their lives. And part of that is probably influenced from being on the show and like what doors that has opened, not just like opportunity wise, but also just for her and like what doors and in her, like her personality it's opened up and things that she is finding about herself and the ability to talk and be funny. Like, do we think Jen Aiden has ever had like an audience before? Like she, this is probably the first time she's ever had people be like, Oh my God, like you're so entertaining, you know? So yeah, I think we're seeing like a huge, uh, evolution for her specifically, definitely more so than a lot of the other wives. Like Marge, I think Marge is kind of who Marge is through and through and always has been. Like she looks different now. Like thanks Ozempic. But um, she, you know, she's kind of the same. I think Teresa, like this is kind of her charm for better or worse. I think she's also the same. I think like for all of the shit she's been through and the like decade plus that she's been like incredibly famous it hasn't affected her at all. She's still the exact same person, which is wild to me. Um, but yeah, like so, so nuanced, um, like very layered individuals for sure in Jersey. And, and when you first brought this up, I went to Jen Fessler because, you know, talking about like nuance and layers, seeing how she is in public with the group versus how she was when she spoke to um, Marge one-on-one. I thought she was just like such a, a true friend in that regard. Like, you know, we were talking about those true friendships and true bonds that you find. And I think this is an example of one where she, she, you know, kind of protected her friend in public when she needed to, but then like called her out in private when she needed yes, to. Exactly. And Marge needs to be called out. She's yeah. getting to the point where it's, it, first of all, it's not fun to watch for the audience. Mm-hmm. But second of all, she's like shooting herself in the foot. She's she's going above and beyond to be unkind. And right. she always n- like never was an unkind person. She would yeah. make these make fun of people, but not in a way that cut too deep. And right. She would call you soggy if you cried too much. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's so like, it's so benign. It it's is so, so benign. benign. But to say that you're a disheveled drug addict going yeah. like that, it, what the hell is wrong with you? And for all Marge says about accepting people who they are and not stigmatizing things, she's stigmatizing a lot of things with that one statement. So I think she thinks she's better than others because like she's so, you know, she's not like this backwards misogynist like the rest of them. But I don't know. I I actually thought like I, I Marge's comment was so fucking ridiculous and stupid, but I almost, I also felt like Jen didn't do herself or like the, the like cannabis community any favors because she (laughs) then started like defending herself by being like, well, you know, no, I know, but she's like, I can't imagine Jen Aiden identifying as part of the cannabis community. Right. But she could have just been like, there's nothing wrong with smoking weed period. But she started making all these excuses and she was like, I'm not in the corner smoking like a crackhead and I was like well now you're calling weed smokers crackheads too like you're also like I don't know I just felt like none of it was great (laughs) but none of it's good they all are finding ways to like stigmatize behavior that they a lot of them participate in and right they're just I'm tired of them 
trying to blame each other, like put, talk about certain behavior and be like, this means X about you, right? You do Y, this means X. And this goes back to all the affairs, like how Margaret's marriage started, you know, uh, this goes back to, well, oh, you do this, therefore, it's just annoying. And yeah. I feel like they've been taught these lessons by their families and they're like, well, that's just the way it is or we're just old school. And it's like, no, you're just so not I, like I actually not, said, yeah. On, yeah, on my podcast this week, I, I actually said and I'm I am like still checking my social medias like every so often because I'm like getting ready for all of the pushback. Um, but I was like, maybe it's not joe's fault maybe it's not teresa's fault maybe it's nono and nona's fault let's be real oh i, I think, actually 100 i think agree. we gotta i think it's just how both of them were raised and i think we need to stop looking at like either side like they're both hotheads they're both hypocrites they're both like ridiculous so let, let's just call a spade a spade like it was mom pa you know and they but were no one nice. wants to say that because they all love nona and nona well, but... when they were older but just wasn't it this week where gia said the way that um her mom was able to hear i love you from her father was having gia say i love you to nono and then nono would say i love you back and that included Teresa. It right. Am I like No, no, there was dream? definitely okay. no, there were definitely talks of that. And so I think it's just part of that, you know, culture too is like to blame the the kids. You're never going to blame like the parents, but like let's that's not my culture. I'm Jewish, so I'm going to blame the parents. Know, <laughs> like I'm going right? to just going to blame mom, <laughs> blame my mom, blame pop. Well, to not say I love you to your children is like been actually proven to not show a loving relationship and connection with a child is actually yeah. proven to have an impact on how their brain develops. And so people who punish too harshly with their children, it stunts the child's development and stunts their brain. And so yeah. I don't know. That <laughs> Teresa we, Judice and Joe yeah. Judice, everybody. And, and, Joe right? and like a lot of, and I'm a child of an immigrant parent, um, one immigrant, one non-immigrant, but like, the immigrant mentality, it can be really tough on kids. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. I sacrificed so much to get here. You better be thankful. You know, you mm-hmm. better sh- prove this family. like Not entitled know. to anything. Yes, yeah. that kind of stuff, which can also be really tough. And I'm not saying there's like a right way to parent. I'm not a parent, but I've always said there are multiple wrong ways, you know? Well, right. And like when you look at, <laughs> like, at Joe and Teresa, like let's call a spade a spade. This was I, the wrong I way. Like, this, I don't know. This but wasn't the right way to parent. But a lot of that data wasn't available back then too. I'm almost yep. more judgmental of people now that still like hit their kids. And it's like, oh, no, yeah, there is sure. 30 years of data backing up that this is actually... Yeah really really detrimental to these kids like way more than you you know oh it's just like a little whatever a little slap or a little this or it's cultural and i'm like yeah no no no." yeah and how do you feel about like the the speaking of the kids how do you feel about like their involvement in the family drama and like who's speaking out and who's not so my mom was one of three sisters and one sister she had kind of a fraught relationship with. They were a little too close in age. That sister was more popular than her growing up, wasn't always kind. Things 
kind of spilled into adulthood. Did they love each other? Yes. Were they friends? Yes-ish. But Mm -hmm. it was never, like, I was never, that was something that my mom would discuss with my dad or with her sister or with her other sister or with her friends, you know? It's not something to impact me and my cousins. And we never let it impact us, ever, right? And I think the mistake that Teresa is making at the, and the, all of them is talking really negatively and, and actually <clears throat> letting it affect the relationship between the cousins. Cause like you can be really close with Antonia Melania without just like being super involved with your Zia Melissa. Like there, there right. are ways to make it happen and they're so young and I don't want to put it on Melania. I just feel no, like it's, it's on, it's on Teresa and it's on Joe, Joe. juicy Joe Judice yeah. too, because like you, we've seen this. I mean, there has not been a single moment on the history of the show where the Gorga kids have said a, an unkind word about their aunt and uncle. They have, they have but not, they're also it's never not happened. Shown on the show as much. But, they're literally true. accessories. Okay, fair. But what I was going to say is we've seen the Judice kids talking shit about their aunt and uncle, literally talking shit since they were toddlers. Really? Like when they were little kids, like one of them, it might've been Melania was called, like called, um, was like, they, yeah, they're like, she called uh, Melissa a stripper and she was like dancing on the poem. I was like, I'm, I'm Auntie Melissa. Don't you remember that? Like from one of the no, early, I didn't early watch seasons. the early. Oh my God. I so know. Even I know. when they were kids, like yeah. tiny, they were, clearly hearing everything that Joe and Teresa were saying about Melissa and Joe. So I think to your point, like, I think in that household, it was always just like common knowledge. Everyone's talking about it. And I think in the Gorga household, the kids didn't really know as much as, as what was going on. So to me, that also speaks volumes. I'm not team anyone. I'm really firmly like smack dab in the middle. And like, I just blame Nona and Nona at this point, but I, I don't know. I, I, definitely have always felt and again this goes back to like melissa and joe's first season i was like why are these kids saying those things you know it's it's weird yeah wow okay i i could definitely see that now i yeah and again i don't blame melania she was like like four no i don't literally at all i don't blame the kids at all i just think you know it's also right now Teresa doesn't really yeah she has Louis but Louis doesn't know the backstory he didn't he wasn't there for it and yeah. now that G is old enough and now that the kids are old enough like they can share their own experience totally and that is also totally valid I just think 100%. that um the only way to fix it would be to everyone have everyone like leave their egos at the door and do family therapy off camera and that's not something that's going to happen and i truly think joe gorga is super comfortable being angry but not comfortable with almost any other emotion he's like i'm going to be either angry or horny and there's no in between and it's like i kind of feel the same about Teresa though too i feel like she gets really (laughs) really angry or she's talking about pineapple you know that's all she all she does i do feel like i notice a little bit of a difference with her this season and i'm not trying to give her too much credit but the fact that she I actually give Louie that credit. Yeah. yeah. I actually think for, for I was as I definitely think Louie has like sh- shades of creep and like a lot of shades of red. Let's be real. But <laughs> I do think that he is beneficial to Teresa in a lot of ways. I think he's helping her be more thoughtful. And I think that, you know, he's not just a partner who is just going to tell her she's right all the time. And, and Teresa, like, 
I, I think she's responding well to that. It's almost surprising, you know, when he tells her like, hey, you need to stop talking and let someone else talk. I'm waiting for her to flip a table and she's not. So that's growth. It is growth. And just the fact that she's like, I don't like how I feel when I'm around my brother. He, I don't like how he behaves. I never know when he's going to blow up next. And I feel like that must have been what their dad was like. You know, she she alluded to it earlier this season. So like all of them have a temper. All of them have normalized allowing that temper to let them get so angry that they do things yeah. that are violent and that frighten others. And yeah. I think she's trying to stop the cycle. I really I do. agree. And I and I think that that's really healthy. But I think then even if it means like walking away from the relationship, I think the way that they discuss it, because she has been out in the press a lot saying a lot. I mean, they all are. It is what it is. But I think she needs to to start speaking about it as like like a little more sympathetically or empathetically or like, look, these are family traumas that we've gone through. And like, we need to break these family like cycles as opposed to just saying like, my brother's a crazy person. Cause that's what they do. They just point the finger at one another rather than saying, look, I, this behavior isn't acceptable, but I know where it comes from. And like, you need to get to the bottom of it. And I'm going to be over here while you do that. You know, I I don't know if she's made the connection. I think she's starting to make the connection. But I also think she's like, I don't need to wait for you to figure out how to handle your anger. No, I don't think she even needs to say that to him. I think yeah. as the way she's talking about him to everyone else, because in all of these articles and stuff, she really just talks about she's just talks about him like he's a psychopath, which like a lot of his behavior is like psycho behavior. But then again, so is hers. And so I feel like if if she's coming to the rationale that like these are family traumas this is rooted in like how we were raised and all of that then that's great and i i want her to get to a place where she can like i mean i'm giving her a ton of credit but like eloquently say that um but i i otherwise it still just feels like she just thinks that he's like this crazy person who flies off the handle but like so is so is she or historically so has she been and and it comes from it's rooted in the exact same thing their family home you know yeah i don't know if she's there yet i certainly don't think no. joe will ever be there because he no. can never admit that there is like it's not that he's wrong, that there is a different way, right? So Melissa only pushes so much. And I don't blame her. You can't force someone to do things. And right. at the end of the day, when he didn't go to her wedding, like that is the ultimate, I am not interested in building uh, towards our continued like family life. Yeah. Like, that was a, yeah. like, I am fracturing this. So For sure. it'll be it'll be interesting to see this season, like as we get towards the end before the wedding, if there was something at least like a conversation that kind of clues us into like why he made that decision, because I agree if it's just based off of like what we're seeing now, if there was no kind of like, like catalyst to him deciding to not go, it, it seems very petty and very um like drawing a line in the sand. I kind of don't think there's anything that could make you not go. Like even if I mean like, short of short of her saying like I don't I don't care if you come or not. I feel like yes, if my exactly. if someone said that to me, I would be like, okay, fine. I won't yes. come. You know? So that's why I mean I wonder if there's some sort of conversation that we're not privy to that maybe will give us a little insight. But as of now, it seems very petty. Yeah. I've 
Yeah, I just have really soured on Joe Gorga. I don't like anything that he brings to the table. I don't like watching him at guys' nights. I don't like seeing how angry he gets. I don't. I just don't like anything about him. Nothing has yeah. changed. There is no evolution. It's not interesting to watch him. I'm over yeah, it. It's interesting. Last the last season and season before, I, I kind of had like very firm stances on who I liked and disliked, and this year. I am kind of right in the middle with all of them. Like, I really don't love any of them, but I don't necessarily like mind watching any of them. Um, but I'm still enjoying the ride. So that's what's important, you know? I, and then I have other shows like, uh, like there are some cities and seasons in particular where I like, like all of the wives, right. you know, and I just like have a blast watching all of them. So, I mean, again, it's like a human like study. I love it. Thoughts <laughs> on Frank Catania and Dolores. I mean, I, I actually think that their dynamic is like very, I mean, it teeters on unhealthy, but I do think it's healthy in terms of like exes who have kids together. Like I appreciate the fact that they're very tight and that they're best friends. I honestly think the problem now isn't, um, Polly, the leprechaun. Um, (laughs) I think it's that. Uh, her last relationship with David let Frank get like too involved. Like I think Frank was way too involved in that relationship. And so now he's like, well, this is our dynamic. And like, no, that was your dynamic with, with, Paul. Wait, Paul. David. Paul was the old David. I can't David keep was up. the old. But also, <laughs> they all have such basic names too. I need like a, a Ferdinand like, or something. <laughs> according to what Dolores said this week, was basically like her relationship with Frank never changed when they got divorced, other than they were no longer physically intimate. So right. I feel like he never actually experienced a divorce from her. She still was there for all the things that a partner would be there for, right? Emotionally, yeah. all of that. Yeah, he helped out too in these later years but it really felt like she kept a lot of space for him and now he's actually experienced what it's like to divorce Dolores right (laughs) it's like she's not gonna answer your phone anytime that you call you know like she might be busy she has other things going on you are not the priority and I feel like it's really annoying when all of the other people on the show and the guys are like, look it, he's sad. He can be sad. He can cry. Yeah. I like Frank Catania just like the rest of them. But he is not entitled to her time and her affection. Right. Yeah, totally. And it's unfair for, you know, her. It's unfair for Polly. Paul. That's a new one. Yeah, and people <laughs> will blame him as if he's the problem. No, no this yeah. has nothing to do with him. She's not like, oh, I would talk to you, but Polly doesn't want me to. That is what right. I was actually worried we were going into the season with. No, yeah. it's like she's like I'm spending time in a relationship where I'm being treated the way that I want to be treated. And you are no longer a priority. So you're going to yeah. feel that. I also think it's like as sad as it is and as much as like maybe we don't want to see less of Frank, it would be kind of up to him to be like, look, like, you know, this is her new man. He wants to step into all aspects of her life, which includes this show. So like, I'm going to step back a little bit, you know, but no, he's, he's just like, like no, this is and... my show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Buying for that can... meatball or whatever they hold. <laughs> it's must be like a drug because yeah. getting on these shows, people never get off. Well, never. so I was actually talking recently, just kind of, uh, going back to the whole like how Melissa came on the show in general and how that still 10 years later is like such a like 
quasi mystery but still like shit show and it causes so much drama and um Jacqueline Lorita was on uh the two t's in a pod podcast and I listened to her and she was like really trying her hardest to like defend Teresa and be like yeah Teresa was blindsided but everything that she said made it clear that like Teresa knew at the very least that like Melissa and Joe were trying to get on the show. Like even if she didn't know that they like signed the paperwork, she knew that it was in the works because she was actively trying to stop it from happening. She was, this is from Jacqueline. Teresa was like texting producers, telling them not to make it happen uh, at events where Joe and Melissa would be there. She would tell the other wives not to, not to go talk to her on camera. So she wouldn't get any camera time. And so I, I like thought to myself, I was like, oh my God, if my brother or brother-in-law or like aunt or cousin or anyone was cast on a TV show and like, didn't let me be on camera, I'd burn their fucking house down. Like, I'd be so mad. So like, I understand the appeal to all of it, to the fame of it all, you know? So yeah, I think it really, really drives a lot of the conflict on these shows. It's the only way I can describe it, because I don't really have a desire to be on television, <laughs> is like even when they go through a rough patch and they're being portrayed badly and people who are watching don't like them, they still can't stop their behavior and they still are like a glutton for punishment by right. showing up and having the fans hate them, like a la Lisa Rinna. There's so many of them. And the only way I can describe it is like when I'm scrolling on my phone and I know I shouldn't be, I know I should be doing something else. And I don't even think I'm enjoying what I'm scrolling. I don't need to see any more news of the day. I don't need to see anyone's photos. I'm not even getting enjoyment, but I can't stop doing it, which really yeah. scares me sometimes because I'm like, this right. is clearly an addiction. Like there's a dopamine rush that you get at certain times and you're just scrolling, hoping that it comes again. I feel like it is an addiction to be on television, even if it's fucking up your family life, even if you lose your marriage, even if you have terrible relationships with your children. I mean, yeah. th that is really sad to me. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's the addiction to, like, the fame. Um, I think, you know, it's the addiction to, like, it's not normal for us as humans to just be able to, like, say whatever we want and, like, get into a screaming fight with someone. Like, that's not socially acceptable. But in these worlds, it is. And I think that can become addicting, be able, being able to just say whatever the fuck you're thinking. Um, and then with that too, like the, the fame part back, like after you say whatever you want to say, then you have like actual people like supporting you and telling you you're right. I mean, yes, you might have people telling you you're wrong, but there are still, even Lisa Rinna had people telling her that she was amazing. And so like, then that becomes addictive, you know? Uh, and then of course there's like the money and the sponsorship deals and all of it. Like it's all very appealing. Lose such sight of reality. And like, mm -hmm. I think celebrity and fame really scare me because it seems like it could take a totally healthy, emotionally adjusted individual and rewire their brain to do be like behaviors that are extremely unhealthy, make them unhappy and, make them lose sight of like what's right, what's wrong, what is kind of generally normal, what is generally yeah. sort of not so normal, like all of that. And I yeah. would hate to be so disoriented that I didn't know 
what was like acceptable behavior. (laughs) Yeah, what's interesting, I I was actually just talking with my husband last night while we were watching Vanderpump Rules and I forget the context, but basically someone did or said or was like crazy, um, something crazy. And he was just like, I don't understand how they don't do like like psychological tests or like any sort of like psych exams or background checks on these people when they cast them and not even talking background checks in terms of like all of the racist shit, which that's a whole other story, how they miss all of that. But, you know, I was like, it's interesting because even if they did give everyone like a psych evaluation when they first cast them on the show, by the time they got to season three, they'd be a completely different person. And that's exactly. the problem. Is it, that when It's it, by the time they get to season three or like, you know, th- that's what I think we're seeing with Raquel. Like we're seeing the evolution and like what fame has done to her, you know? It really freaks me out. Like I yeah. can't because it's like I like to think that I'm a somewhat – emotionally adjusted person and that I would never do certain behaviors just because that's like yeah. not in line with who I am. But if I was constantly rewarded for doing things that were just a little bit bad, like would it lead me to doing something eventually years down the line that was really terribly mean? Right. Yeah. You know, and I totally. think the answer is yes. And that's what scares me. I think it could take any person and kind of twist their brain and it it scares me a bit and so I mean just watching Margaret I really liked Margaret when she first came on she seemed to kind of really be herself be comfortable with who she was and the more time we see her the less I feel like she's comfortable with who she is she actually seems very uncomfortable with who she is. She's uncomfortable with her body. She keeps changing it over and over again. Again, people can do what they want with their body, but it's clear that she's watching herself and nitpicking at things and making tweaks over and over to the point that it seems a a bit excessive. And then her behavior is changed. It's like her screaming and fighting and yelling and not realizing that she just needs to like pull it back a bit because she can't help herself. When her friend is like, that's not you, you know, and and she's like, that was me or whatever she said. It's it kind of freaks me out. It's like, do we need term limits on housewives? (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. I really don't. I think there are a lot of housewives who, um, you know, could use at the very least a pause. Yeah. And I think it does them well. I think, you know, we see them come back with with fresh eyes and, you know, for both us and for them, like they, you know, they're, they have a renewed energy and um, sense of purpose being back on the show. And I don't know, like that said, I'm very excited, you know, for this upcoming season of Real Housewives of Orange County. If we ever fucking get the trailer, like, I don't know where it is. Don't you feel I want like it so they're bad. reworking it so that someone's full time who wasn't originally full time and someone like vice versa, that kind of a thing? That's what, the, that's what everyone's been saying. I do guess. think that, yeah, I think they're just trying to pace the shows out a little bit more now. Um, but I want it. I want it so bad, Mandy. <laughs> I feel like it's going to come out as. Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip airs. Like, I feel like the trailer will come out and then we'll get it a month after the trailer. I hope so. I remember when it came back um, for season 16, Heather Dubrow's uh, big return, we got the trailer and then the show premiered like three weeks later. So it was pretty quick. Um, 
So yeah, I can't wait. Orange County is like, you know, it's my mothership. I mean, I guess it's everyone's mothership, but like when still to this day, when people ask me my favorite, I always say, OC, it's got such a special place in my heart. So I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be back to form, you know, with to me, like, you know, Orange County has gone through the most iterations, obviously, but like, I feel like at its uh, peak, it was, you know, Vicky, Tamara, Shannon, Heather, like that kind of era. So I'm so excited to be back there. Megan King Edmonds, who I really oh enjoyed God. on TV. I, ad- I, I, ad- and I adore her. She and I, she was on my podcast a year ago and we've stayed in touch and we actually gossip a lot via DMs and like <laughs> about, about like everything. Everything. Like we, we yeah. No, talk she... about the Royals. We've been talking about the Scandal. Like she, yeah, she is such a doll, a really, really good person. I really enjoyed sure. her on the show. And I'm sure it must be difficult for her if she ever watches it back because she was just so young when she was on. She was. And it's crazy because she was like younger than I am now. And I yeah. think I'm I'm like, I can't imagine getting into screaming fights with like a 55 year old right now. And like, that's right. what she was literally doing. Like that <laughs> boggles my mind. And she did it so effortlessly. Like, gotta love her. Oh, man. There's so many good. So what else is coming up? We've got Atlanta coming up yeah, Atlanta's but I coming think back they and... started filming again yeah so we might have a little delay because of uh Drew and Ralph but I've got to say I'm I like love that Bravo is like picking up the cameras when they need to like this is what they need to do the fact True. that the producers with the Scandaval picked the cameras right back up like thank god because had they not and and we had to wait you know months and months for them to start filming for the next next season like uh, I mean, I would have gone and like picketed outside of the Bravo NBC <laughs> Universal office. NBC Universal headquarters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, um, we want the Scandal. We want it now. You're not following Summer House, correct? I'm. I'm not. I'm behind. I know, and I know that there's oh, you're just similarly behind. there's. I, yeah, but on, I like on this, I haven't started this season at all. Uh, um, okay. But I know that there's like similar, like the drama spilling out into real life. And there's, you know, like, are they together? Aren't they together anymore? I don't know. Oh, no, I don't think it's that as much as it is um, watching. I feel like there's something with Lindsay where a lot of people in the show dislike her. Yes, but, and no one really knows why. And we don't really know why. And I feel like it has to be show related. And so that's maybe why we're not finding like out like a thing. fourth wall thing. Could it be that she used her, you know, smarts as a PR person to like get certain coverage and make things skew a certain way? Like I can't figure out what well, it even, is. Even Carl, like I, I obviously like keep up you know via social media and stuff and like kyle was coming after carl and like oh he's yes terrible on the show so bad in fact that i th- would think it would impact his business kyle i'm surprised i really like kyle i mean i hate his mullet but i've always really liked kyle i mean i, I think he's like an, a man child i think i feel like all of the man boys like the toms and the kyles they're all being revealed for just being like complete idiots yeah, he's, um, I think, has a lot to learn about being a friend, about being a boss, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. moderation and priorities uh, in a way that's just, I hope he learns from watching this season and doesn't just like yeah. dig in, but I think he's digging in and and that's yeah. not a great look. 
Miami. So I haven't oh, yeah. caught up as of right now with the part two of the reunion. Is that the final part of the reunion? No, I think there's going to be a third part. <gasps> yes. Um, okay. <laughs> but we can talk about part one. Part one, I actually still have my notes from my podcast, like still up right here. So I can kind of like go through the reunion. Um, okay. So I love all of the looks. I love the set. I love the like gold on gold on gold on gold motif of everything. Except for um, Lisa, who's in mourning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's see. I mean, there was, it was mostly, I feel like there was a lot with Dr. Nicole, who actually is my MVP for this season. I love Dr. Nicole. Love her. She is phenomenal. And I feel like she is, to me, like such a, such an ideal housewife because she's not afraid to get in the mix and like be sassy and snarky or whatever, but like she's actually smart and, those types of housewives are few and far between. <laughs> well, the hard part is like she's so much smarter than the rest of the cast, except possibly Gertie, but I don't know. I can't tell with right. Gertie, right? So Yeah, I like Gertie a lot. I too. like Gertie, but I haven't watched her enough to know her. Yeah. Like we also haven't seen her sort of battle wits or words in the way yeah. that we have with Dr. Nicole, where we know like she is catching people in logical fallacies and calling them out, and they just find her annoying for doing that. And right, it's like totally. Alexia, I think finally people are seeing her true colors. But again, she has driven me crazy <laughs> this year. Oh, she's annoying, but she's very inherently watchable, you know, mm-hmm. but we're seeing kind of the cracks in her. It, it's very similar to Jersey with this, like, this is a Cuban thing. And this is how Cuban mothers are. And I'm like, it is not. I know yeah. enough Cubans like you're, you're just coddling your like adult child who has right. physically assaulted people. That's well, like I you know I hated the whole conversation about Dr. Nicole's relationship with her father. And the other side of the couch was chiming in and they were like, You were emasculating him, and we felt so bad for him, and blah blah blah. And it was like, this is gross. Like, first of all, no one asked for your opinion on her relationship with her father. Second of all, like, why are you more concerned with like a 70 year old man being asked to apologize for the first time in his life than you are with a woman who is like crying over the like dynamics with her father who let her get run over by a car. Like it was she just was all in ICU so for weird. four weeks as a child. Yeah. Do you know what it means to be in the ICU as a kid? Like you don't have your parents with you all the time. You are a kid and you are alone in the hospital. There is not always a parent with you. And when you're there for a full month and you go to bed at night and you're alone and there's these machines beeping. I mean, hospitalization is horrible as it is, but for children, and I know the hospitals do like they do everything that they can, but it is still a terrible and very scary and very isolating experience. And I think it permanently changed her and how she feels and she's opening up about that. And they're, ugh. Larson. Well, I don't I'm I might get in trouble for this. So sorry to your listeners, but like <laughs> I don't really think that it's that different, you know, them kind of like ripping on her dynamic with her dad or saying that she was like bullying her dad by making him go to therapy, all of these things. I don't really think that that's all too different than like Adriana mentioning like 
Alexia's son's accident. Like, yes, they're different things, but if like you're going to have an opinion about someone's family, but then like, you know, literally start crying and call someone the devil if they mention your son. Like, I, I again, I get that it's not a perfect analogy, but I just feel like it was weird for them to be so vocal about her relationship with her dad, but then like they're untouchable and anything in their lives is completely yeah, untouchable. I, I do think the Frankie stuff is untouchable. Talking about the I, Well, I think the Frankie itself. thing was stupid, but I also think them talking about Nicole's dad is stupid. I think it they is, should just shut is. up and let it. They should, no one it's should not be touching story. any of that stuff. Right. Exactly. I, and that was the thing that really bothered me about Larsa and Alexia and Marisol, this whole reunion is no matter whose segment it was, they were always the first to chime in and it was like we're not talking about you guys right now like why does it matter what your take is on nicole's relationship with her dad andy asked because they're the stars yeah alexia astrid i was born a star you know if if you thought you were a star you wouldn't let lenny treat you the way he did oh my god yeah talk about yikes yikes yeah yeah well i think that that too just that inability to be able to uh, like discern between confidence and arrogance or like confidence and putting other people down. And that's the thing she, she can't like recognize the difference. And that's what they're trying to explain to her is like, look, we're all confident women. We want you to be confident. We like, don't want you to, to like dwell in, you know, your past, you know, shitty problems or situations or whatever. Um, but also stop like saying that we're all jealous of you. You that's know, that's what I, know. I thought was so odd when she's like, they always want to bring up my past and how hard it was. I'm like, you're the one that brings it up. That's all she talks about. That's, and Marisol that's like her entire brings it up more than everyone. Oh, the things right. Alexia. She's like a telenovela. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. get it. She has mm-hmm. been through a lot of shit, more than most people at her age, right? Like, yeah. but no one's really bringing it up. No, no one's like, no, I, dude. If it were all me, of her, and I all were of her, like, if I were a completely different person. And I was on, like, I had a completely different personality. It was on the Real Housewives of Miami. I would be like, your son was arrested for domestic violence. How, like, okay, that, the, okay, yeah, that was the fact one that time. None of that, but the fact that none of that gets brought up, she's so lucky. No one touches that. That is, like, the, you can make however many excuses you want. What happens when it happens again? And I think this wasn't the first mm-hmm. time he was in trouble with the law for being physically violent. Like, didn't he beat up a homeless man or do something like so now there's two times where you've kind of your son has been allegedly physically abusive with a person that has less physical power than they do right like his girlfriend right who's like smaller physically in stature than him and then a homeless man who i'm assuming really had not a lot (laughs) like going on so yeah the fact that that there's just she just explains it away and everyone lets it go and no one brings up that larsa is essentially dating someone who she could have been alleged of grooming as a child larsa larsa incriminated herself a couple times in this episode there was the moment where 
they're talking they're talking about Nicole's dad and they're talking about the fact that he's in his 70s dating someone in their 20s which like it is disgusting I'm sorry like that is not normal it is just it is not I I yes I think that you can argue in other situations like age is just a number my parents are 10 years apart it is like that's fine they're not 50 years apart um but as soon as that came <laughs> up she's chiming in being like what age doesn't matter age doesn't matter like who cares about age you should care about age like legally speaking you should care about age then later on when they're accusing uh adriana of renting her boyfriends and she's like i didn't know you could rent a doctor and larsa very quickly goes you can rent anyone it's like you're you're saying a lot of things about yourself like are you like renting i mean i'm i don't know it just it it was weird and she was just very quick to like defend these things that are to me it said more about her than it did about the person she was trying to like point a finger at you know yeah i just don't like that larsa more even than alexia is never taken to task for anything ever which is why i was so glad that dr nicole was like you made a statement that was damaging to me and damaging mm-hmm. to my profession and my career and could have really cost me something. And then yeah. you never retracted it. You were like, well, I just heard it. Okay, you can't just say everything that you hear. And you definitely said it to try and bother her and to get at yeah. her. Yeah. <sighs> Mandy, so you haven't seen today's episode yet no i have not um, or yeah, i don't know when <laughs> this i don't know when I this also... podcast is coming out but but <laughs> so you're going to die mandy there is a part where where larsa literally says to dr nicole well y- you don't have a real job like i do oh i sw- yeah my god her mind you larsa's job is taking pictures of her feet she has the jewelry business but like to say that there is mm-hmm. when people talk about real jobs and not real jobs the thing that I feel like people mean when they say real, meaning that they don't have control over it, right? Like right. they're someone else could fire them. They have to be somewhere at a specific time. Right. They have to clock in. They have to clock out. It's not like when you own your own business, that's its own set of challenges, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. you know, you are your own boss. It's it's different when you have to show up at a hospital, when you have a certain number of days that you're people don't understand the stress of being a medical professional, of being a nurse, of being a tech, of being a doctor, and then let alone a pandemic. Right. Anesthesiologist in a pandemic where they needed to knock people out to put vents in. Yeah. You think Uh, she didn't Larsa literally... Oh, my God. Horrible things. Larsa literally said all she does is put people to sleep, like, as if it was no big deal. It's wild. And so, thankfully, there's a part... Because that other couch really came hard for Dr. Nicole, and they called her mean and fake and all these other things. And thankfully, Julia was like, can I please say something? And at first I was like, oh God, what's Julia going to say about like her goats now? (laughs) But she was (laughs) like, she was like, look, you all know this Dr. Nicole who's glammed up with her hair done and all of this, but I know her in her scrubs at the hospital holding Julia's hand while Julia cried before she went under for her surgery. And Dr. Nicole was her anesthesiologist. And it was actually a really, really powerful moment that I think- 
Marina. Oh yes. Yes. When Marina. Yes. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, but it was a really powerful moment that was just like, you guys, like she's not like a doctor on TV. Like that's not a fake thing. Like she is an actual doctor that goes to a hospital and works these like long hours saving, like helping people. It's not. And it does save lives. It does. Yes. And it's not the same as what anyone else is doing here. You you can't have a life-saving surgery without being put under. Yeah. (laughs) like and they do more than just that like what do you who do you think does the spinal tap when you know you're having a baby and you get it like oh my god yeah no it was wild and it just kind of shows yeah it it shows like the thought (laughs) process there and i think like the mental hoops that they're willing to jump through to like you know save face or make themselves feel better i don't know also the stuff that she said about like well you were with a teacher I also thought was so offensive. It's like you're basically taking these professions where people go into them to be helpful, right? Mm -hmm. And to be supportive and to provide a service. And you're making it seem like it's a lesser than profession than someone who fucking plays basketball for a living as if that means that you're a good person. Right, exactly. Even though I said there wasn't such thing as good person and bad people in the beginning of the podcast. No, no, totally. Good with a little asterisk. I'd rather be with a teacher Um, or a nurse any day over a fucking basketball player. Well, I just think Larsa loves to throw out low blows and they're so unjustified and unwarranted. And like even this season, how she's just been like the reason why she seems to hate Dr. Nicole so much. And she keeps saying like, you judged me so harshly and you never apologized and blah, blah, blah. But like, if you go, what she's talking about is last season when Dr. Nicole was like, oh, like I had to look into you before you came over. Cause like, I didn't know you or whatever. And, and then Dr. Nicole literally said to Larsa, like, yeah, I totally misjudged the only fans thing. Like it, that's, it became a conversation about how she like didn't understand it. And she even said, I misjudged it. So like, what more do you fucking want from her? Okay, you know, this is the thing. Larsa's only goal in life is to be known. Mm-hmm. So when she's like, I had to look into you because I didn't yeah. know you, that's right. the worst insult you could make yeah. to Larsa. I dress and have changed my body to become a Kardashian Pippin. She wants yeah. to be recognized. She wants everyone to know Then why did she her. become a completely different person? None of us know what she looks like anymore. Like, literally, how can we recognize her when she doesn't even look the same? I don't know. That woman. I find her she, so annoying. But she's great for I do, the show. I do, too. Great for the show. I, she's, she's one of my least favorite housewives ever. In fact, I saw a picture of her with Garcelle the other day, and I was like, oh, one of my favorite housewives like, with one of my least favorite housewives. You I know, literally, <laughs> literally, but yeah, no, she, she is crazy. I, uh, I think it was Lisa Vanderpump made a joke one time about Dorit having a head transplant, but like Larsa legitimately looks like she had a head transplant. And again, no judgment people do what you want to do, but like she, she looks like a completely different person I and judge, she was so cute before. I judge more when people aren't open about it. Yes. The you denying. Know? I have a friend like that. One time we went and I've known her since second grade. So like, I will know if you've had stuff done, you know, and we used to live in the same city. We'd go to brunch like at least a couple times a month. So I would see her on a regular basis. And one time we went to brunch and I could tell her lips were done. In fact, I could see the like needle hole. Like she had literally just gotten it done like either that day or the day before. Like I could literally still see the little marks and the bruises where it was done. And I was like, oh, you've got your lips done. They look really good. She's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And she denied it. Like she'll take it to her grave. And I'm like, why? Like, why do it then? Why do it? You know? 
Yeah, I think it's a, I don't know, like a shame thing. At least Margaret is like, yeah, I had a facelift. Yeah, yeah I'm taking peptides. Yeah, I, you know, whatever it is, totally. fine, you know. It's when you get an entirely new body and then act as if other people could do the same thing if they just yeah. were more disciplined. And one time and in one time in middle school, off. Mandy, one time in middle school, I <laughs> dyed my hair brown. And I went to school and I like hated it. And everyone was like, oh, your hair's brown. You dyed your hair brown. And I literally was just like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I don't know what you're talking about. No one believed me though. So like the moral of the story is like, no one believes Larsa. Just be honest. Like own your shit, people. Own, okay. Like I to quote Lisa Rinna, own it. Here's a story that I don't think I've ever said on the podcast that I tell very few people where I didn't own something. Oh, it is very gross. But it is, I think, the funniest thing that's ever happened. So <laughs> I'm so I excited. I don't know why I'm telling this. I'm just feeling silly. So Yay. I was 20 years old. I was at the University of Cape Town doing a study abroad. And I went with a group of young people th- camping, a very rugged camping, like with no bathrooms, throughout southern Africa for like two weeks. Oh, wow. And like we would stay in these little tents that we would pitch ourselves. We had a shovel to create a bathroom. Like it was rough. Um, I had my period. And so what I would do is I would save my tampons in a little plastic baggie with a Ziploc, which wasn't easy to come by, but I brought one along. And then I would save them for like two days. And then (laughs) in the middle of the night in the campground, like go dig a hole like a, you know, foot and a half deep and bury the tampons. Would you like wait till everyone was asleep and yes. then like go buried? Oh my yes, god, this is there's so no, fun. The sh- well, there's but no, like in the shame, the sh- like you shouldn't have had to, you know, like but that's there's, what's so shitty but, about this. You know, it was also um, like we're staying in nature preserves. There's no mm-hmm. garbages. There's like a right. sort of a leave no trace mentality. But it's like I don't know how long I can keep these with me. You know, also yeah. because it's like blood and you don't really want blood on you. Like, well, also, like, it, so, like, yeah, you're just like, let's get rid so of it. So, <laughs> what happened was, um, so I did this maybe at like, you know, two in the morning or something. And by like 5 30, a.m., someone was screaming. We go outside of the tent and there are wild donkeys everywhere. And they oh, have my. dug up my tampons and they all have like bloody tampons hanging from their crooked teeth oh my god (laughs) mandy like i have felt a level of embarrassment that i don't didn't know was humanly possible to feel so the person who's still a very good friend of mine actually who i was visiting in charleston a few weeks ago um she looked at me and i looked at her and i looked at everyone else and i go Ew, who's on their period? <laughs> oh my God. Mandy. Oh my God. But I never admitted it was me. And I think someone does think they blamed someone else. Honestly, I don't think anyone really cared that much, but it was kind of like a shit, seriously, now we have to deal with this. <laughs> oh my God. So what happened? Like, what did, ha- like, we had to scare I'm, them I- off. We had to, like, <laughs> run after oh them and make God. them go into the into the bush so that That's we could crazy. make breakfast. <laughs> they sniffed those out. 
<laughs> Those are like like yeah. truffle pigs, but like a <laughs> little different. It's like so disgusting and so embarrassing and also so embarrassing that I was like my first reaction was like such a level of denial and Right. It, I lie so rarely that it like it I was shocked at how quickly it came out and my friend looked yeah. at me and she was like, Well, oh there God. was clearly shame because you felt the need to like do this oh, like yeah. under like under the dark of night, you know, like no one could know that you like are a woman. Right. You know? Yeah. Back then people didn't talk about It was a different time. Yeah. Yeah, it was before they had what's the red panda or whatever the, the movie that came <laughs> out. Yeah. Everyone um, realized that women believe right. sometimes. So you're no. saying this happened before 2022. So that was when I that was when I lied about my oh body. My gosh. I love it. I love it. What an amazing story. I'm glad that everyone knows it. I now. think the only other time I said something like so embarrassing is when um Tom from Dumpster Dive podcast was on. I talked about the time I was living in Bangladesh and got cholera and was hospitalized. Oh and my gosh. Stayed in a cot with a hole cut out in the bottom where you just like openly oh my god defecate that's actually sounds really convenient <laughs> well i mean that's it, happening so often they literally have to put you in yeah. that device <laughs> yeah right oh my god amazing i would love to like not have to get up though there no. many a time i've wished <laughs> no this scenario is not ideal <laughs> oh my god oh my and god i love how people were like oh my god God, are you in color? <laughs> yes. I was going to say, I love how, like, all of your, like, exotic travel trips, because I was going to say, wow, you're such a world traveler. But then I was thinking, like, wow, you're also, like, someone that's just leaving bodily fluids, like, all Everywhere. over the world. <laughs> I know. No, I, I work in global health, and there is a reason that I do my work now in Washington, D.C. <laughs> I got sick so much and i used yeah. to for like 10 years i traveled like continuously for work and you know i think it was like in 2018 i got hepatitis a oh my god which is vaccine preventable but apparently my vaccine like didn't take so i had to get revaccinated which is just Ugh. like basically foodborne illness but mm -hmm. it can make your liver numbers a little weird which is how it was detected in my like regular checkup and after that i was like you know what <laughs> i might be a little done <laughs> Honestly, I don't love traveling. I get I get like really I get sick really easily too. Even just like changes in my schedule make me get sick as weird as that sounds. Um so yeah, like the, the only traveling I need to do is watching Ultimate Girls Trip. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I traveled enough for a couple different lifetimes, but I know I'll want to yeah. go back again at some point. Yeah. Um, but for now you're just going to shit yeah. in toilets. Yes. <laughs> Oh my God. Listeners, please, please, I hope you don't um, hate how uh, graphic this podcast has gotten. Well, um, I don't know if there's a place to go from here. <laughs> the story. I have to go to the bathroom. That's Literally. what I have to go to. <laughs> Blake is speechless. Um, Blake, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I always love chatting with you. Um, tell everyone where they can find your podcast, where they can find you on social media. And also, if you wanted to make a plug for anything such as the importance of adoption. 
Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. It's always a blast talking to you. Um, yeah. So my podcast, Blonde Hair, Black Heart, uh, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I put out a new episode every week. In fact, Mandy was just on an episode a few weeks ago. Um, so go check that out. And then you can find me on social media at Blonde Hair, Black Heart. Um, and thank you for mentioning the adoption. Yeah, so my husband and I are currently in the process of trying to adopt a baby or babies. Um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, as they warned us it would be, but... Um, it's also been extremely rewarding and we've connected with a lot of amazing people. And um, yeah, if, if you want to learn more about us and our adoption journey, you can visit Blake and Matthew Um, If you yourself are pregnant and considering adoption, or you know someone who's pregnant and might be considering adoption, um, feel free to pass our information along as well. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Wish you the best of luck in your journey to become a parent. Thank you so much. You know, I think what we've learned a lot these last few years, especially as Andy Cohn's become a parent, as um, a number of other people have uh, become parents in different ways that hadn't been discussed openly before. I think we've all learned that there's many different journeys and um, really wish you the best on yours. Aww. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we will talk soon. Um, that was, you know, a hard pivot. <laughs> <laughs> right from shit but, to babies actually i mean it kind of goes hand in hand you're right it really does it really does <laughs> well everyone i hope you have a fantastic week and blake we will chat soon all right bye 